Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of Talk Witchcraft Podcast. In this episode, Maggie and I will be talking all about practicing kitchen witchery and cooking magic into your meals. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. To start off the show, we look at our tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. So for this episode, we chose the Four of Cups. Can you tell us a bit about this card, Erica? One way to read the Four of Cups might be that each of the cups in the image are blessings. None of the three cups in front of him have quenched his thirst, and the hand of God keeps offering him more and more. Maybe these cups represent different areas of life, work, family, finances, friendship, home, and so on. And the universe keeps showing him what he has, but he can't see it for what it is or find joy in it. He is apathetic. So in that sense, this card could be about choosing gratitude over apathy. For that matter, it could be about choosing any feeling over apathy, even feeling anger or sadness. While these types of emotions may feel unpleasant when we feel them, they would at least show he is present in his life. Having an emotional reaction to your circumstances really helps you to understand what actions you can take toward maintaining or improving them. So I share other ways to interpret this card and all the other cards in the Tarot Card Meaning eCourse in Mumbles Academy, but we'll start with this meaning. Do you have a story about being apathetic, Erica? Yeah, so I was thinking about when I was in grad school and... um, you know, it was a great opportunity. It was going to get me into a career that I valued and uh, wanted to really be a part of. I wanted to help people and children to learn how to communicate. And I had to go through these courses in order to do it. But instead of really being grateful for them, for really trying to learn and be in my um, be in the moment and in the class. I spent a lot of my classes on Facebook, on Pinterest, you know, just kind of mindlessly scrolling. And in some ways, you know, that's how my brain works. I need to occupy myself with, with other things in order to truly pay attention. But I can definitely recognize that there were times where I was not paying attention to the coursework. And, you know, I joke that I was a solid B student. I got all, you know, I got Bs in my classes and that was good enough for me. Um, And I definitely could have been a straight A student if I had applied myself and if I had thought more about really appreciating the classes that I was in at the time. Yeah, and that opportunity to be able to get an education and pursue higher levels of knowledge. Yeah. So for me, I was thinking about um, when we lived in our apartment, I, I was noticing a pattern where every time I lived somewhere, I was living for the next place and thinking about where we're going to move next. So um, I was thinking about how as soon as we moved into this house, 
I was thinking about how nice it was to live in that apartment and how I really didn't appreciate it when I lived there. It's closer to downtown. It's really easy to walk everywhere. Um, but I was only focusing on like what I didn't like about it. Our neighbors were noisy and the management of the building sucked and um, it was too small. We didn't have enough space for what we wanted to do in the apartment. And so I was always thinking about, you know, when we have a house, I'll be able to do this. When we're, when we move and have a yard, I'll be able to do this and not, you know, enjoying all the amenities of living in the apartment. So in that sense, I've kind of tried to switch my perception and my mindset around, you know, living in the moment and not looking to the next place. Um, Cause I think I even did that when I lived in Portland, like when Dana and I move into a place on our own and we don't have roommates and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's kind of been a pattern for me and want to be more appreciative of where I live and not be looking for the next place. Yeah. And I think that really is what this card is about. It's about, it's about being in the moment and appreciating, appreciating what you have right now and, and not looking for the next thing. What's the grass is always greener, you know, on the other side of the hill. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's asphalt, sometimes it's turf, sometimes it's, you know, you know, it's, it's greener because it's fake. Right. Kind of. <laughs> kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, so. you always see like a cow eating grass on the other side of the fence and um the grass near it is like better almost. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like why are you making it so hard for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, so do you want to talk about our topic for this week? Yes, I do. <laughs> We're talking about magical cooking and I, this one I'm excited about. Um we've been following these themes surrounding cancer season and maintaining the home in general. We talked about protection and protecting ourselves and our loved ones in our homes. We talked about cleaning last week, and now we'll be looking at cooking, all of these different domestic areas of life. So I did a solo episode last year around this time where I did talk about kitchen witchery before. That was episode nine. And so if you're really interested in this topic, make sure you check out that episode. But I also thought Erica would have more to share on this topic because she identifies as a kitchen witch as well. And so um, I thought we could have more going on. So in that episode, I talked about ideas for how to have a kitchen which it witchcraft practice in like not ideal settings. So not knowing how to cook, having a smallish kitchen and sharing a kitchen with other people. And so now with Erica's insight, we will have more to talk about. Yeah. So in this episode, I thought we could talk more about how to bring a magical mindset to your kitchen witchery, um, how to use herbs to power your magic, how to create magical a magical focus in your kitchen and how to craft your own kitchen spells. Okay, well, let's start with how to focus the will. Now, if you have, dear listener, been listening to these episodes in the past, you probably know about how I view magic and witchcraft. And Erica and I have had many conversations about this, you know, privately, but, uh, and I think we're on the same page about how magic works. But just so that we all know, let's just share some how we define witchcraft here at mumbles and things because there are so many definitions of magic so can you tell us erica what is our definition yeah we believe that witchcraft is a practice of using magic to create a change in yourself so that the world around you changes the way you desire for magic to work you need to focus your will and intention on the results you want to 
achieve. Yeah. And one way to do this is to use your emotions. You can link your magical intention to the emotion that you will feel once you get what you desire. So the things that you want, how will you feel when you get that? And this basic premise can be applied to kitchen witchcraft as well. Kitchen witches don't just cook. We don't just make food. We infuse our creations with that magical intentions. And as I said, one way to do this is to link that intention to the emotion. Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I really try to practice every time I cook is that I'm usually cooking for my family. I'm cooking for other people. So I try not to cook angry. I try to embed the food with my love for them, with my feelings of like wanting, you know, when they eat this food that I've made for them, it's, it's going to nourish them. It's going to help them get where they want to go. So it's not just about me cooking it for myself, for my own nourishment. It's about passing on some of that intention to the people that I live with as well. Yeah, exactly. So let's try an exercise. Think of a specific moment in your life when you felt truly joyful. Close your eyes and picture that moment in as much sensory detail as you can. Think of the smells, the sights, any textures, any sounds that you heard, how, and re- like if there were any tastes that you, you could taste and hold on to that sensation for about 20 seconds. this with any emotion. We d- we tried it with joyful feelings, but you could also think of a moment where you felt loved or protected or healthy, confident, powerful, anything that you want to feel. Just think of a time when you felt that way and bring yourself back to that experience. Now, if you've never felt the way you want to feel, you can think of a character in a TV show, a book, or a movie Um, that has had that experience and imagine you are in that scene where they show that emotion. And then you can do this while cooking or baking to infuse whatever you're making with that emotion. So let's say you've got a, you know, important job interview, you know, you want to feel confident, you want to feel um, knowledgeable and full of wisdom. And so if you, if you feel that way while you're cooking, then you eat that food and it helps to imbibe that into your psyche and your being. Exactly. Because food, it's that saying, you are what you eat. So if you've infused the food with that feeling, that food is going to become who you are. Right. So the next thing to do is to create sacred space in your kitchen. And we have talked a lot about sacred spaces in previous episodes. I also wrote a blog post in 2018 about viewing the kitchen as an altar, which you can find a link to that blog post in the show notes. That just goes to show how important sacred space is to the witchcraft practice. As a reminder, sacred space is a designated area that contains the energy you desire and protects you from energy you don't. Um, I actually have just been doing this with my refrigerator because I've noticed that the uh, vegetables go into the bin and the bin is the place where all things die. And so I've kind of rearranged the 
refrigerator so that the vegetables are actually out of the drawer and the condiments are in the drawer. Because when I go to get a condiment, I know which condiment I need to go to. I know it's in the drawer, it'll be there. And so um, by moving just that one simple move, which you never thought, I never thought that you could do, um, the vegetables are now in a place of prominence and I can see them. And now it feels like, okay, I can use it. So I've made that refrigerator part of my sacred space and I, in, a, in a more usable fashion. Yeah, that's super smart. I might do that. I always thought that there's like rules about it that you have to put the vegetables in the vegetable drawer, but you don't have to do that. It's your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, somebody told me like, but what about the temperature? You know, there's so many temperature fluctuations. The the vegetables are going to get, they're going to go bad quicker. And I'm like, they're already going bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you can catch it faster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about the kitchen, in addition to the vegetables going to their death in the drawer, is that since we do use the kitchen daily, pretty much everyone uses their kitchen every day, it's one of the messiest rooms in the house, and it can be really tricky to maintain sacred space in a place that is so heavily used. There's all that activity. It's really challenging to maintain magical focus. So what I do is I put intention into cleaning the kitchen each day because I have committed to, you know, wiping down the counters every night before bed. That's just part of my nighttime ritual. I wipe down the stove. We have one of those glass top stoves that if you don't wipe it down, it gets all burned on and um, ruins it. And then the sink. So um, when I'm doing those activities, I make sure that I restore the intention I have for that space. And each day this intention is renewed. Yeah. Um, one of the rules that we just made in our house um, we had a bad habit of leaving, not me, not we, it was other people. And it was driving me crazy <laughs> that we would leave the um, dishwasher open so that the Tupperware that gets water all over it can dry, which for my housemates who grew up in humid California, that's a really practical thing to do. In dry Colorado, where we live, it's not, you know, like it's not necessary. You can put away dishes a little bit wet. But it meant that the dishwasher was um, full for like three days. And then we put all of our dirty dishes on top of the counter and then that's full and it was just a problem. So now we've made the house rule to keep the kitchen space a sacred space and not messy to um, if you come to the dishwasher and it's full, either start it or unload it. And if you if it hasn't been started yet and you can't find a place to put your dish, then you have to wash it out and, and put it you know, away immediately. So the rule is basically there are no dishes on the countertop. Yeah. And that has helped a lot to keep the energy um, you know, more open in the kitchen. You know, I'm not feeling this anxiety about it because there's no place to do the cooking you know like the kitchen was just not a place I wanted to be and now that we have this rule in place it's I'm, I'm wanting to go back into the kitchen I'm wanting to do more of my witchcraft in there yeah it's weird because the kitchen is one of those rooms that the clutter that builds up it's not like we talked last week about 
decluttering, but the clutter that builds up in the kitchen is always like dirty dishes. So they belong there and they have a space. And it's, that seems to be a common problem for most people is like the backup of dirty dishes. Um, So I think that's a really good rule to make sure that there's a good flow of energy in that space. Yeah. And another thing to consider for making a sacred space in the kitchen is to set up a magical focal point or an altar. Um, And you can make it as big as you want. I would suggest making it a smaller one because again, that's going to, if you make it too big and it's on the counter, like that's again, taking away from that countertop space, which is coveted. So set up an altar in your kitchen with the consideration to the current season using colors, symbols, and natural items to showcase that time of the year. You can use, you know, dried corn in the fall. You could use pretty sunflowers in the summer. Add statues of deities that are associated with the kitchen with food or cooking. So Hestia or Hera or Demeter are all really good examples. And also find representation for all of the four elements because we do use all four elements in cooking. We use fire, we use water, we use earth and air. Uh, All of those things need to be represented. Yeah, like the altar in the kitchen can just be a representation of the magic that you want to happen, that magical focal point, because, you know, we were just talking about life gets chaotic and sometimes there's that buildup of dishes or whatever. Um, And so having that one space is like a reminder of the intention that you set for the kitchen. Exactly. So now let's talk about ingredients. Herbs are a key ingredient to the kitchen witch's cauldron of magic. And one reason we use herbs, crystals, and tools in general in all magical workings, not just in kitchen witchcraft, is to create that anchor in the physical realm. And it's a representation of the intention, which exists in the mental realm, and the correspondences, like the four elements we talked about, the planets, the zodiac signs, archetypes, um, deities, and more. All of those things exist in the spirit realm. Additionally, the subconscious mind, or as Starhawk calls it, the younger mind, um, it communicates in symbols. So these tools and materials are the language we use to connect the conscious and the subconscious. As humans, many of these symbols that our subconscious mind recognizes and their meanings, they're already part of the subconscious mind through our cultures, through the media that we um, allow into our minds and through our education. So some of these meanings do vary from a person's upbringing, um, their cultural context and the experiences that they've had in their life. But some of these symbols are universal across the world. Through the ages, certain herbs have become associated with certain magic properties as we talk about in our herbs of the week segment. For example, cinnamon is often associated with success, healing, love, and protection. However, the kitchen witch can't just dump cinnamon into the brew and expect it to be a love potion. The herbs need to be magically charged. And so it's up to you whether you want to charge them as you cook or when you're uh, like when you're using them, when they come up in your recipe or um, charge them all up beforehand so they're ready whenever you need them. Yeah, I, I tend to, when, when I'm cooking, I tend to charge them as I use them. Um, it feels fresher that way to me. And so it's really, you know, 
the the idea of the mise en place. You, you get you get all of your ingredients together. You put them in their cute little glass bowls. You you know measure them out beforehand so that they're all prepared. All the vegetables are pre-chopped, um, and then as you're cooking, you can just pick up the bowl of whatever. Of, I'm going to make salsa later, so the bowl of jalapenos and dump it in, and I can really um, intentionally think about what that the jalapenos are representing and you know it's it's giving me some spice in my life or you know it's something and it can be anything it's whatever the intention is that you're putting into the the food yeah I like that way too because um some herbs and spices have a lot of different meanings like you just said jalapeno could be to add some spice to your life and in another cultural context it might be like protection or something like that. So it, so when you, when you add that magical intention, as you're adding it to the meal or whatever you're making, um, you're not limited to, you know, something that you decided weeks or months ago, (laughs) it's whatever you need in that moment. Additionally, you want to treat your kitchen herbs and spices with respect, honor them by keeping them neatly stored in the cupboard and away from sunlight and moisture. Um, I, I try to go through my herbs and spices at least once a year and um, really taste and smell them. If they've lost any form of taste or smell, they're no good anymore. They're not going to give you the spice that you want your food. Your food's going to be bland. Um, so, and they're not going to be able to hold the magical intention that you put into it anymore. So I know it's hard, but just throw it away. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's that whole thing we were talking about last week. If it's if it's cluttering up your cupboard and it's not useful anymore, then, then it's not, then it's cluttering up your mind and it's not letting what it needs to do. (laughs) So So we already know that what cinnamon can be used for, and there's a entire alphabet of herbs and spices. If you'd like to begin practicing kitchen witchcraft, take this opportunity to go to your kitchen and organize your herbs and spices. You could even keep this podcast playing as you work. Yeah. So like Erica said, go through and smell them. And if they smell good, keep them. And if they don't throw them out and if the drawer or shelf is dirty, uh, make sure you clean it wherever you keep them, make sure it's nice and clean, turn all of the labels so you can see them. And if they don't have labels, make sure you add them somehow and then organize them so you can use them easily. I know that I often um, leave the ones that I use frequently on the counter and it gets really messy. So I got this little bin that I keep like my most used herbs on. And so at least they're like, they're still going to be on the counter. And, um, it's sort of like that out of sight, out of mind thing for me sometimes where I'll forget that I have a spice if it's not visible. Um, so yeah, I've started keeping a few of them on the counter and that's been really helpful. Yep. I, yeah, I tend to, uh, alphabetize my, spices because I alphabetize everything, but, uh, really, so I've got a nice little shelf with like steps on it and, um, it starts out all alphabetized and nice. And then gradually the ones that I use more frequently end up in front of the steps, which is fine. They're still organized, but they're not, they're not in their alphabetical spot anymore. Um, but it's really good idea to take inventory of the herbs that you, and spices that you haven't used frequently. Um, you know, just do a, a spreadsheet on your computer, or if it's more handy to put a physical inventory right next to your spices. That way, when you run out, you can just check it off like, oops, I need to run it out, or I ran out of this, I need to order more. Um, and then 
uh, as you're also going through this inventory process, you can jot down on your little inventory list, you know, their magical and medicinal properties. Yeah, exactly. And to make this easy for you, I've consolidated a list of common edible herbs into a free downloadable resource, which you can find in the show notes. All you have to do is go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero two eight. So let's take a little break and talk about our magical medicinal herb of the week. This episode is brought to you by lemon. So Erica, can you tell us the medicinal properties of lemon? Yes, I would love to talk about lemon. So the botanical name for lemon is citrus limonum. And again, you want to have the botanical name so that you make sure that you're using the exact plant that you want to be using because common names often jump from different species to different species. So it's it's good to know the botanical name. The parts that we use are mostly the peel and the fruit. And it is a very aromatic, sour fruit. It can be made sweet though with sugar and is very cooling and dry. When we talk about the medicinal properties, you get that that cool dry feel. So the uses for the peel, it moves the chi. So it's a very energizing plant. It opens up obstructions. So it's good for if you've got blocked bowels or difficulty with urination, and then it resists poison. So anything from insects and animal bites, uh, you can rub some lemon on it to help. But if it's a severe poison poison animal, like a rattlesnake or something like that, you also want to head to the emergency room. The juice is really good for clearing heat and relieving thirst. So it's great, great for fevers and night sweats or any kind of coughs or colds. So lemon juice in tea is amazing for cough, for any kind of cold that you might have. And it can clear any sort of heat that you might have in your body. So any sort of headaches or swelling or, you know, inflammation of any kind that will help with relieving those kinds of things. So you, it's generally considered safe for children, pregnancy, anything. It's not, there's nothing to worry about and you can make a syrup of it, or you can just squeeze it into some distilled water. You're, you don't have to go too crazy with the concoctions. Um, it, no, no tinctures, no, nothing of that nature. And with the lemon, the lemon, it's just very easy to use. Yeah. It sounds like it has a lot of uses too. So that's good that it's easy. Yeah. So as for the magical uses, lemons are also wonderfully magical as they are medicinal. They can be used in a spell um, to represent spirit realm entities. It's like passive energy, the water element, both the moon and the sun, and then the zodiac signs of Cancer and Pisces. So lemons are cleansing both physically and energetically. You can add them to a spell for removing hexes and jinxes and any sort of blockages or negative energy from your life. Additionally, they can be used for cleansing or purifying a space 
or your personal energy. One way to do that would be to soak lemon peel in water and use that mixture as a wash for magical objects or for mundane objects as well. You can remove negative energy, especially from objects that you've received secondhand. So to remove someone else's energy from those things. Another use is to place a bowl containing a slice or two of lemons on your bedside table, and that will cleanse your sleeping area of um, you know, bad energy that you don't want around you that will give you clearer dreams. And it will also be very protecting for your sleeping area when you're the most vulnerable. Lemons are associated with spiritual openness. So you can use lemons in spells related to your mental health, particularly spells to do with relieving anxiety and depression because they bring happiness. They're a very bright color and they also bring a clarity of mind as well as friendships, all of these things can help with those feelings of anxiety and or depression. You can add lemons to any of your glamour spells. You can mix it in with your lotions or some makeup in some cases to make yourself feel beautiful or to um, give the appearance or the illusion that you are glowing like the sun. You can add lemon peel to love sachets and mixtures for any type of love, especially for self-love, very focused on that kind of love. And then since lemons are edible, you can add them to pretty much anything that you're cooking or baking to enhance that food item with any of these magical properties or medicinal ones that we already mentioned. So cleansing, love, joy, all of that. So one thing that I'm noticing that it just makes me really happy is that as you're talking about this, you you mentioned that it's used for getting rid of, rid of blockages and negative energy. And you said that it's about opening things up spiritually, which is exactly what is used for the medicinal things. It's about opening up blockages in your bowels. It's about um, moving your chi about. It's that energy piece. I just love it when things tie in like that. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of been, there's been similar things with like the eucalyptus. You talked about it being really like a relaxant. And I shared that it was like, um, good for removing anxiety and relaxing you. So there's like definitely something in the ma magical side of things that also ties into the medicinal side. Yeah, it just it just makes me happy. It makes me happy too. Like we have a bowl of lemons between us. Yeah. So let's get back to our main topic, magical cooking. We've looked at using emotion to power spell, creating a sacred space in the kitchen and establishing an altar of magical of a magical focal point and using herbs and spices in spell work to infuse kitchen creations with intention. Now we'll talk about crafting a spell for kitchen witchery. So in episode seven, I shared my process for writing your own spells and in kitchen witchery, you can follow a similar process but I think the most important thing is to make sure that you're actually writing a recipe. In other words, you want this to actually taste good and, and also have the effect that you want. Yeah, that's why it's good to learn the magical uses for the herbs you have in your kitchen and use frequently. You'll want to start to learn which herbs taste good together and what their magical properties are or would be when they're combined. And this is, you know, it's really good to know where the ones overlap. You don't want to just throw all of the love things together, but knowing that um, all of those like nutmeg and cinnamon and all, you know, all of those spices, we already know go together really well. So if you learn about what cinnamon and nutmeg mean, so, you know, we've talked about cinnamon 
being about, you know, we talked a lot about it being about love, but one of the other other meanings of it is protection or prosperity. And nutmeg also is about protection and luck and prosperity. So they have the same meaning and that's, you know, using them together is going to give you that boost. Yeah, exactly. So if you start by determining your purpose or intention, otherwise you don't know what ingredients to even look for. So you want to make sure you know what you actually desire and then making sure that your sacred space is prepared by cleaning your kitchen. You can't It's hard. It's a lot harder to cook in a unclean, messy kitchen. Like we talked about before the clutter messes with our magical focus. It's hard to pay to, to really focus on what we're doing. And then once all of that is, is done, you can find the ingredients that match your intention. So another example, we talked about cinnamon and nutmeg, but another example would be like garlic and rosemary are good for protection. And then once you have your ingredients, you can decide what you're going to put them in. So with garlic and rosemary, those ingredients can be used to make a really yummy bread, or you could put them in soup together or uh, mix them with roasted potatoes. And all of those meals could be a meal for protection because they have those ingredients. When you are ready to make your magical food, hold on to the emotion you associate with your intention as you're cooking. So if you're making that yummy bread with garlic and rosemary, which sounds delicious, just be thinking about um, protection, who you're protecting, if it's yourself, if it's somebody else, you know, all of the things wrapped up in what you're trying to protect. Yeah. And then Another thing that I find interesting is that as as you get more into kitchen witchery, you start to associate these flavors and these smells with those intentions. So you start to associate like garlic and rosemary with protection, and that makes it easier to visualize later on if you're doing a protection spell outside of kitchen witchery, because you can incorporate, well, garlic tastes like protection. So how does garlic taste? And you can kind of imagine that taste for your ritual in a, in a different setting. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I um, actually just had a thought. So our mom, she took a, there's a housewarming uh, ritual that she took from the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And one of the things in it is you give bread so that you never go hungry. And making like if you have a friend who's moving into a new home and you make them some bread with this garlic and rosemary with the intention of protecting them in their new home that would be so awesome (laughs) and now I want to do it (laughs) yeah that would be so cool and it'd be like a special thing that it's it's more I, I feel like making stuff for people is really special so I agree And salt would be another thing. You could make like a garlic rosemary focaccia bread with a big rock salt on it. Salt is is part of that ritual too. Salt so that your life is... Always flavorful. Always flavorful, yep. So now it is time to move on to our moon magic assignment for this week. The moon is entering its first quarter phase. So it's about halfway full at this point. And we talked about at the quarters that it's about the obstacles and the challenges that you're facing. When the moon is at the waning half, you want to think about releasing those challenges, what you can do to make sure that those aren't in your way anymore. At the waxing half or the first quarter moon, it's about noticing what things are challenging you and what you can do to just push past them, to not slow down your motive, your um, 
momentum from the new moon, all of the steps you've taken since the new moon and just push past the things that are holding you back. So do you feel like you have any obstacles that have come up for you in the last couple of weeks or one week, I guess? Um, well, no, last week I talked about needing to let go of a, um, bond I had with a toxic person. And, um, I actually used one of your rituals from your planner, um, where I wrote down her name and, you know, just some notes to myself about needing to let her go and that, um, it was healthy for both of us and then burned that piece of paper, which was quite the arduous task. Let me tell you, that is thick paper in that planner. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but anyway, I got it done and everything is good. And then just yesterday I was having a conversation with a mutual friend and like, I don't think she was trying to stir up gossip. I think she was just trying to kind of inform me on, um, on this person I'm like, I just couldn't care less. I was just like, all right, whatever. And it was just such a new feeling of not having this instant anxiety. Um, It was, I wasn't feeling like I needed, I wasn't feeling nervous or, you know, that, that racing heart feeling, the adrenaline pumping, there was, there was none of that. And it wasn't like an apathy. It wasn't that there was no caring about it. It was just that it, this person exists and I'm going to be hearing about hers for as long as I live in this place that I live. Yeah. Um, But it didn't like affect you. Yeah. It didn't affect me. So I feel like past Erica would have felt all of that. And instead of letting myself feel all of those ugly feelings, I was able to push past that and, um, establish new feelings around this person. Yeah. Well, the obstacles that have come up for me, my intention for the new moon was about getting Mumbles Academy set up. I'd been doing a ton of reflection and letting go of expectations. And so I was, um, my plan was to, you know, really get it going, Um, but then a a hurricane came (laughs) and then we had an impromptu trip to California that totally threw off my, um, my scheduling of how I do things. So that's been my obstacle, but I haven't let it like slow me down too much. And I, that's what I'm going to do work on this week is not let it continue to slow me down. Um, because it definitely took some days away from what I had planned to do. And so, um, yeah, as we approach the first quarter, I'm just going to not let that, I'm just going to get back on track, get back into the momentum. Good. So now we want to hear from you. If you go to witchwanderer.com, you'll find the latest game. You'll find a puzzle. And if you solve that puzzle, you can earn mumble coins. Next week, we'll be talking about the King of Wands. This is a figure who is bold, inspiring, dramatic, and a powerful leader. This tarot card represents mastering an art and setting an example. They are theatrically charismatic and a role model to, to who is willing to take a risk. Well, that will be good. Erica and I will be looking for 
king of wands type energy. Maybe it'll be a person we encounter. Maybe it'll be something within ourselves. And we'll share those stories next week. If you have a story that relates to the king of wands, then please email us at welisten at talkwitchcraft.com. You can send us a voicemail and we can play that voicemail on our episode. Or you can type up a story if you want and we'll read it. For now, you can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 028. Join us next week when we will be talking about making the most of Leo season. Make sure you subscribe so that you are noted, notified about each new episode. To help other witches find the show, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at mumblesandthings. And you can join us in Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folks.